that's probably enough talk about that. We've got a few topics on here. Do you want to uh, talk Twitter Twitter clients, or do you want to jump into uh, some of the Apple news first? Yeah, let's get into Twitter first. Okay. Yeah, because this was pretty crazy, right? Uh, on Friday, actually, um, kind of late in the evening. I feel like it was just like weird timing for Twitter to announce it, probably just trying to bury it or something. But uh, Twitter announced that they are no longer going to be doing a Mac, uh, like a native Mac client. They said it's it's not available for download after today, and then in 30 days, we're going to stop supporting the old client. And as you can imagine, this kind of caused a bit of an uproar. Uh, Twitter has been – they've been not very good at updating this Mac client, but it was still an option, right? It was still something that you could use. And I feel like there was an update. I don't know if it was a year ago or two years ago, but there was an update that made it very usable. And so people are like, okay, cool. We can finally use it again. But if you think about where it started when they acquired Tweety, the Tweety client, um, was it Lauren? I can't say his last name. Brichter? Brichter? Writer? Brichter. Yeah. It, it was really well done. They had a really solid Mac app and everybody loved it. And they kind of trashed, you know, like they kind of just got away from it somehow. So just an interesting story to follow along with where that client started, what happened to it over the years. It's always been kind of the kind of a bane of existence and and there's finally say you know what it's probably not viable for us to keep messing with this we want to um they're working on improving the web experience right they want everybody to use their website so no more uh no more twitter mac client did you use the native twitter mac client ever or recently no uh, i'm not even sure it's on uh, I'm, let me check right now i'm not even sure it's installed oh yeah i do have it on my mac uh it is installed on my mac i don't remember last time I launched it, uh, quite frankly. Um, <laughs> no. Do you? Um, I did at one point, and I'll be honest, I'm kind of wishing I would have had it installed just so, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if it's going to be one of those things where I'd want to come back and maybe try to use it later. I mean, if they're not going to support it or update it with features, obviously the yeah. point's kind of moot. Right. But I, I just kind of wish I had it installed. But no, my, uh, my go-to Twitter client on Mac has been TweetBot. For a long time. I mean, I th- I'm pretty sure, you know, I love a good deal, but I'm pretty sure I paid the 20 bucks for it back in the day just because I thought it was so much better than what other choices were available at that time. Mm-hmm. Well, the thing is, you don't have much choice when it comes to uh, Twitter clients for Mac. Uh, I did I did this post over the weekend and I wanted to list all the options available. Turns out there's only two. <laughs> <laughs> so it's TweetBot. And Twitterific, correct? Yeah, that's correct. And Tweetbot has been around for several years. And Twitterific is a fairly new uh, Mac client. Uh, I think they raised money via Kickstarter or GoFundMe or something. It was um, Kickstarter, yeah. It was Kickstarter to develop this product, this uh, this app, and it launched last year. Um, and uh, yeah, there's no other app in, in the Mac App Store. And there's a couple of ones actually, but uh, updated last time in 2014 or something. So they're basically irrelevant uh, and might not even be working uh, since Twitter has been changing quite a few, uh, in quite a few ways, the, how they interact or how they let developers interact with uh, their API. So yeah, there's basically two apps that you can use right now on, on your Mac. Um, it's Twitterific, like you said, and Tweetbot. And what Twitter, I guess we didn't mention that, what Twitter wants people to do, or I guess the reasoning behind pulling the, pulling the plug on, on their Mac app is that they, they say, we are focusing, focusing our efforts on a great Twitter experience that's consistent across platforms. So starting today, that was Friday. Uh, the Twitter for Mac app will no longer be available for download and 30 days will no longer be supported. For the full Twitter experience on Mac, visit Twitter.com. <laughs> yeah, Twitter's always been kind of weird with developers, right? Like they've always kind of stifled as far back as I can remember. When they when they enacted all those guidelines or all those rules for third-party developers and they said, we don't want you to have access to certain APIs here. Um they even gave them like a token amount, right? Is yeah. that still in effect? I'm pretty sure it's still in effect where if you're a developer and you want to make a Twitter client, they're only going to give you 100,000 tokens. And you can only give those out to 100,000 paying customers. Once those are spent, I don't know if you can apply for more or really how that works now. But I know at one time that was it. Yeah. And that's why TweetBot uh, developers, the tap bots, that's why they got so nervous about 
They spent all this time working on a Mac client and then this token rule hit. And so they charged 20 bucks for it. They may still charge 20 bucks for it because they're like, we need to sell these at 20 bucks a pop if we're going to recoup our uh, what they feel like is, um, you know, whatever money or resources they needed for the time they spend on the app. Uh, actually, it's ten bucks now. I don't know if it's. I don't think it's been on. It was on sale, uh, but it's right now. It's uh, ten dollars, nine ninety nine in the Mac App Store. And uh, the other one, Twitterific, is uh, typically nineteen ninety nine, so not cheap. Uh, but currently on sale for seven ninety nine. So if you're looking for an alternative, you can give any of them a try. Um, I'm. I haven't tried personally Twitterific for Mac. I tried their iOS application. Um, when I was trying to get away from Tweetbot, but I, I always come back to Tweetbot, um, uh, at least on, on iOS and on the Mac. Uh, I've been using it for so long that it's it, for what I do on Twitter. I'm not a very um, superpower user uh, of Twitter, I would say. Uh, Tweetbot is perfect and I have no incentive really to go try something else. I was going to ask you that really is how happy are you with Tweetbot? Because I'm very tempted by this Twitterific cell, honestly. And, and I was, in fact, I was looking at uh, reviews and screenshots and even their little promo video over the weekend trying to decide um, if I wanted to. Because, I mean, it's eight bucks. That's not really anything, right? But I just wanted to see is this going to be a total waste of eight bucks or is, is this something I'm going to want to use? Because here's my problem with Tweetbot, especially on the Mac it's performance. Now, if you know if you know me, you know my setup. I always, I typically have the entry level MacBook. I don't do a lot. I don't do graphic design. I don't do gaming on here really. So, I have the I have the MacBook uh, entry level, and uh, Tweetbot is very sluggish. It's probably my most sluggish app I have actually, and that uh, that involves like when I'm trying to scroll. Now, mind you, I I, fo- I do follow like five or six hundred people. Like it's a pretty big list, and there a lot of them are very active on Twitter. So I usually get a lot of tweets in the stream. I get that part of it, but I just it struggles to scroll to the top sometimes. Um, and the biggest problem I have is when I want to do a search. So like if I just saw a cool highlight video from a sports uh, you know website or blog, or if I saw a story that I really wanted to read, I want to find it quickly in my feed. I want to do a search it times out half the time. Like it freezes half the time. It's very, performance is very bad with Tweetbot on uh, the Mac. For me anyways. And again, I, I don't have the most, you know, powerful machine, but I do have a very recent machine. It's the 2017 model. So it's like, you know, I don't feel like it should be struggling. It's just a Twitter client. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know if this is conflicting with something else or if anybody's experienced this with Tweetbot, let me know. Or if you have experience with Twitterific, let me know if it feels faster than Tweetbot because I think that would just sell me on it. I mean, I'm probably going to try it anyways, but that would definitely push me over the edge like, okay, I'm doing it. Because that's my biggest beef with Tweetbot is is the performance and things like that, and particularly in search. That's interesting. I don't have this, uh, this problem with it. it. It's working fine as far as I can tell. Well, how often do you do searches in your in your tweet and hmm. like – in my own tweets, or like in my timeline or mentions, or in your, ti- in your timeline, really, because you my follow timeline? quite a few people too. Yeah, uh, rarely, but let's try uh, President since it's President's Day. I mean, it's almost. I mean, it's instant. Wow. Well, I mean, one, I know you have a more powerful computer, and two, I feel like I follow more people than you, and I feel like when it struggles the most is when there's a long, like, you know, a few hours into the day where it's already been, well, I guess it's it's late in the day where you're at. So there's probably, there would probably be a lot of activity to sift through. I don't know. Yeah, like I said, I, it's not a scientific test that I've performed here. It's just uh, something I've been experiencing and really noticing over the last six months probably. And it was something I had, you know, it's a problem I had on my old laptop too. So it's not something necessarily wrong with the new laptop. I just think it's uh, it's weird. Have you tried Have you tried another option, which is which lives in the browser called uh, TweetDeck, which is actually an app that Twitter owns. And this one used to be a third party application, like a you know a standalone application that you downloaded, and now it just lives in the browser. It's browser based Twitter version uh, through TweetDeck. Have you tried this? No, I haven't. But I remember TweetDeck. 
Yeah, I remember that was my that was my uh, app of choice years ago. Yeah, every, years ago. everybody made fun of you for it. It's kind of like when you wouldn't let go of Firefox. No, 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 no. <laughs> this was different. Uh, what you're talking talking about is uh, Simply Tweet. My uh, oh, that's right. My iOS that's Twitter right. app. <laughs> still the best one ever made. Still the best one ever made. Did they just quit updating that, or what happened? Yeah, I think they just quit, and that's too bad because it was pretty good. I mean, to me, it was better than. Uh, than Tweetbot. Uh, I'm checking right now to see if it's it's probably probably doesn't even show up anymore. But yeah, um, TweetDeck is an option. It's an app made, a web app made by Twitter. And I believe I went there uh, this weekend. I think the uh, you have to point the browser to TweetDeck.twitter.com, I believe, and you just log in with your Twitter username, and that's it. Um, and that is uh, for power users, definitely. And so much so that I, I felt overwhelmed, actually, um, when I was trying that. I, I popped it into my the URL you just gave me in a browser, tweetdeck.twitter.com. And it must already have me logged in via twitter.com because yeah. I see four different uh, tabs, so to speak. Home, notifications, messages, and activities. And it's just it takes up the whole browser window, these four tabs. Yeah. So that's pretty interesting. And you can customize these tabs and everything. Um, but I want to circle back to... Um, the the main point here uh, being that Twitter is putting support uh, for their Mac app. And I don't know if there's any link to the recent rumors we've heard that uh, with iOS 12, or at least at WWDC this year, Apple will unveil new tools for developers to easily bring their iOS applications to the Mac. Uh, obviously, this is still rumors. Uh, we, don't, we don't know that for sure. But maybe Twitter knows, has some, you know, inside Apple information that Apple would have shared with them uh, to get them ready, maybe, uh, and to have the company, you know, make sure that Twitter updates whatever they have to update on their iOS app to make them work on macOS when times come. Right. Um, so I, I found I found this pre- pretty interesting. And if that actually happens, um, we might you know, get a, a, a Twitter, an official Twitter app for the Mac um, coming from the actual <laughs> iOS app of Twitter. So it might be, it might sound a little clunky like this, um, but if that was to happen, I would assume Apple would make some, you know, have some tools to apply to developers to make this kind of seamless and for the users to make it seem like, you know, the, the, the app belongs to the Mac, even though it was developed first for iOS. Right. So it might not be the end of a first-party Twitter app on the Mac. Uh, it might just be a temporary hiccup here. An- so another beef I have is that TweetBot does not show it- – it conflicts a lot with Twitter uh, features, right? So like uh, the polls. I can never yeah. see the polls in TweetBot, which – and I've heard that you can in Twitterific. I've heard Twitterific no. supports these polls. No, 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 no. What Twitterific does – and if you had read my post, Cody, you would know. <laughs> what Twitter does is that it shows a little icon telling you that uh, it's there is a poll embedded. Uh, so you know there is a poll embedded. You can tap on it and you're taken to Twitter where you can actually see the poll. Whereas in TweetBot, you don't even know there's a poll embedded. So sometimes you see, hey, guys, what do you think of these two options? In a poll, and you see nothing else in Tweetbot, uh, but on TweetDeck, on a Twitterific, you would see that and a little poll icon, so you know that it's related to a poll. You tap on it, you go to Twitter. I believe, I believe that is uh, the way it functions on uh, on Twitterific. Right. I just I follow uh, some of the Icon Factory guys on Twitter, and I remember one of the developers or designers saying. Uh, Twitterific recognizes these polls. That would be a, at least that would be a step up for me. At least, at least I could see there was a poll there, um, versus not seeing the poll there, not even really seeing the question, and then later finding out, oh, okay, this is what they're basing the information off of with this tweet. So they also another problem, and we won't go on forever about tweet problems, but I will often like somebody will. Uh, it won't be like necessarily a quote tweet, but they'll have a link to a tweet in their tweet and I'll click that and it'll say user not found user, whatever, not found. 
and it happens all the time. I want to say it happens like 80% of the time that if uh, not a quote tweet, mind you, because if I it, it supports quote tweets, if I click on that, we're good. But uh, if I uh, if if there's a link to a tweet, if they're like, OK, buddy, or if they say something like that and it may be that they're private, that could be a reason. Yeah. But or the tweet was deleted. St- Still take me to the profile. Well, I think I've proven that it wasn't deleted. I think I've gone back on the Twitter uh, website and I've found something that wasn't showing up on Tweetbot. And Mm -hmm. I went, okay, it's there. But it might be private. I don't know. Either way, it's, it's, it's the polls. It's the, it's the link. It's, there's problems there where they interfere or don't quite work well with uh, some of Twitter's uh, APIs. And mind you, that's probably not on the Tweetbot guys. That's probably on Twitter. Kind of being jerks about their uh, possibly they yeah. want you they want you to use their app because they want you to see their ads and they want you to see their algorithms and they want you to see oh moments that's another thing that Tweetbot does not uh, and that's a big deal right moments are pretty cool it's one of the cooler features uh, Twitter's uh, introduced in the last couple of years and to my knowledge they don't work with Tweetbots I don't know how they uh, work with Twitterific. So something I, I I saw a retweet this uh, over the weekend, and it was a retweet of one of the Tapbot guys, one of the developers of uh, tweet, um, Tweetbot, and I tapped on on the quoted tweet actually to see what this guy was saying, and then I get a message saying you can't see this tweet because the user you're trying to view has blocked you. I'm like. The, you, the the developer uh-huh. of Tweetbot has blocked me. Like I know I've been criticizing. Um, you know I've said things like you said just said. You know like oh this in Tweetbot or this and that. But you know I've never been like insulting or anything like that. I'm like hmm that's kind of shady. And then it, I was like I I just remembered like having interaction with them in the past like years ago years ago and finding the developers like extremely arrogant arrogant in their response to me uh, as a user not as a blogger who was asking something specific or you know i was just like as a user i was asking things or and, and i remember like their arrogance and i was like ooh, i don't like that and um to contrast with Twitterific, which I don't use. I don't really like the app. And I've said it like, you know, pretty, uh, several times on Twitter. I was like, ah, I always go back to Tweetbot because Twitterific is, is over designed and it's too much for me. But the guys at Twitterific are awfully nice. Like they are, they're always like mingling in the conversation. If you mention, like if you send a, a tweet right now mentioning Twitterific in some ways, uh, chances are they're going to get back to you with like a nice little comment or, you know, a suggestion or whatever. And I, I find this um, pretty appealing in the app, you know, for the app. Uh, I don't use right. it, but I can enjoy uh, seeing their great relationship that uh, the Twitterific people have with uh, users and non-users of their application like me. And that's a big contrast with the guys of uh, Tabbot who think, they are so cool, uh, and they are probably. <laughs> they probably are. <laughs> uh, so that's something to consider too. Actually, you know, if you're looking um, to give it a try, if you're on the fence, Cody, uh, it's on sale right now. Uh, right, they are pretty cool guys. You're supporting their work. Yeah, why not? So here's my final thought on this. I have I a long time ago, and it was probably when it went on sale. I bought the Twitterific Five for iOS app. So I own that and I've tried going to it a few times and I try, I re-downloaded it over the weekend. Um, and what is it about that you don't like about that app? Can you remember? It's probably been a while, but I, I couldn't put my finger on why I dislike this app, but I was like, ah, there's something about it. I, I think that it wouldn't pin to top. Like you couldn't. You couldn't like it would stream like don't get me wrong it streams it'll automatically push tweets to you but I couldn't figure out how to get the tweets to pin to the top like I want I want the I want the newest tweet to always be on top for you know for the current moment yeah yeah, yeah I see what you mean um, I I don't know about that I'm sure this is a feature that you have somewhere in the app what I don't like about Tweetbot uh, but Twitterific is <laughs> the overwhelming use of different colors. You have like way too many colors at a time on a screen. And um, it's just too big. 
and I know you can tweak um, like the si- the font size and everything. You, it's fairly highly customizable application, but it, it it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work for me. Like the the design, the overall design of the app doesn't work for me. It doesn't do it. And I tried uh, I tried the app recently when I first got my iPhone 10 actually because for some reason Tweetbot was just draining my battery like crazy. And I tried the official Twitter app as an alternative. I tried Twitterific as an alternative. I tried another one. I can't remember what it was. And I went back to Tweetbot because to me, it was it was the best. And I feel like when you use uh, an iOS app, like a Twitter client for iOS, you kind of have to use the same Twitter client for, for Mac. You know, like if you use Tweetbot on iOS, I feel, to me, personally, I have to use Tweetbot on the Mac. If I use, if I, if I were to use Twitterific on iOS, I feel like I would have to use Twitterific on the Mac to have some sort of a complete experience. Uh, seamlessness. So seamlessness yeah. in, in the syncing, you know, of timelines and everything like this uh, would be in sync on both devices. And that wouldn't be if you use Tweetbot on iOS and Twitterific on Mac or vice versa. You wouldn't have uh, this syncing capability. So, um, yeah, that's. I mean, it, I you know, it's it, when it comes to Twitterific, I think it just comes down to design. I'm sure the app has everything I need, um, but the design just doesn't do it for me. So, I mean, I'll let you know. I know uh, nobody's sitting at the edge of their seat, like, oh my gosh, which Twitter client is he going to use? But um, yeah, I think there's people out there that might either be looking for a change in their Twitter client or, uh, especially with the news of, uh, Twitter discontinuing their own Mac client, they might be thinking about taking a look at this again. Yeah. So, we'll see. I can't imagine that the cell's going to go on forever. So I'll probably pick it up and we'll, you know, I just don't know if I'll use it. <laughs> uh, um, anything else about Twitter? Twitterific before we move on here. Mm-mm. Okay. Uh, some other, this was kind of, I guess this kind of, uh, blends in with last week's news, but we couldn't quite get to it, uh, at the, uh, during last week's podcast. So it's definitely worth talking about. Uh, it's the, the focus on quality for iOS. It's Bloomberg's reporting, and they've had multiple reports out about this now that, uh, Apple is going to be, uh, it's going to forgo maybe some of its new features in, uh, iOS 12 in favor of uh, shoring up the current features, right? Making it more reliable, making it uh, perform better, uh, some different things like that. And now, you know, as I'm saying all this, I feel like we might have briefly touched on it on the podcast before, but uh, I just, as more reports come out, there's some do not disturb options they're talking about bringing on. Um, I, I think the report came out that the code name for this, uh, uh, iOS 12 is peace, you know, like peace and love. And then uh, they're talking about redesigning some of the apps. But the main one, the one I was super excited about that it sounds like they're going to push back is the redesigning of the home screen. I was kind of bummed about that. So really, I just wanted to get your quick take. Are you excited about the about the performance improvements and not so many new features? Or are you hoping they somehow figure out a way to do both? Um, I'm, I'm happy about the renewed focus on uh, and if that's again if that happens to be a true rumor or a rumor that sounds true uh, the renewed focus on on software quality and obviously the thing i'm most excited about is their redesigned stocks application in ios 12 which is also a rumor to uh, to appear <laughs> yes <laughs> yes, yes they, switched, they switched to san francisco font nice <laughs> Look no, at the new color scheme. No, but I think it. I I think it's. Uh, I think it's time. Uh, the company has been taking lots of crap in recent months uh, for several oh, months too about the quality, and it's not. You know, Apple is always taking crap about everything, right? So there's always right. someone. There's always me in particular complaining about something, but like we're at a point where it's not just some subjective feeling that something is wrong. It's a very objective fact that there's a lot of things that are not doing well on iOS and macOS, yet the company that keeps pushing and pushing new features and new hardware, and then they delay features and they delay hardware. And like I've been saying for over a year now, it looks messy. 
It's just messy. This is not the Apple we, you know, like that's not what we pay a premium for. Uh, we pay to have the best possible products and the best possible software. And right now, even even if the hardware doesn't ship on time, it always comes out, you know, the way it is supposed to be. But the software, not only doesn't ship on time, but when it ships, it's it's very buggy. It's very buggy. iOS 11 is one of the worst releases um, of iOS, I believe. macOS High Sierra is, I believe, one of the worst um, releases of macOS. As far as I can think back, I've been using a Mac. And I feel like this is not me just being a little bitch about it. I think it, I think there's a lot of people that are feeling the same way, and uh, and hopefully Apple is now um, doing something about it instead of pushing back and pushing back and and, and focusing on new features instead. Um, maybe they're going to take some time, not push as many features as they or I would say not as many big features as they do typically, uh, but we'll still see, you know, if that happens to be true, we'll still see a bunch of new features. You know, every every year when at WWDC, Apple focus on, on like five or 10, 10 poles features, as they call them. But then they always have this little slide in the background showing everything else they haven't had time to talk about uh, during the, the keynote that's new in iOS. And there is like dozens of new little features. And sometimes there is little gems in this slide. You're like, oh my God, they didn't talk about this, but this is amazing. This new feature is coming in iOS 11. That's really cool. And so I feel like even though they might not have like gigantic um, new features to present, there's still going to be a lot of changes. It's not like they're going to show up on, at the keynote and be like, well, we don't have anything else to show you but a couple of new emojis and uh, an emoji, and uh, the rest is going to be focusing on quality of software. No, we're still going to have plenty to look at. We're still going to have plenty to experiment with or to play with in new software, in new software features. Um, they might just not be um, big, big feature like we're used to see. Um, on the other years. And I'm hoping they do the same thing for, for macOS. I mean, I've been having the same bugs on my Macs for, what, six, seven months since I've had macOS High Sierra on it. It's just it's just appalling. It's just appalling at this point that we have to wait for these very basic bugs and they fix one and another one shows up. And it's just uh, appalling and it's embarrassing, frankly, for Apple to, to let this slide. Yeah, you're absolutely right about they've kind of been taken to the woodshed over the last couple of months. In fact, I know I just did an article. It was either on Thursday or Friday about this uh, this uh, Indian character uh, bug. What is it called? Telugu. Telugu. Yeah, I don't know how to say it correctly. But it's uh, you get a character or you try to send this character and your message app frees up and your phone locks up. And it happens across the board in iOS. And I think they even saw some instances of it happening on Mac. So, you know, that's it's not like Apple can plan for I don't know how many characters there are in the world, but it seems like this would be easy to miss. It's not like you're planning on that crashing your whole system, but it's another report. You know, it flooded the headlines Friday morning of, oh, look, there's another crash bug out. And then Apple's got to make a comment. Don't worry, guys, we're working on it. Da, 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 da. But it just seems like this kind of stuff continues to happen for them way more than it used to. And you can make the argument that technology is advancing. People who are using that technology are advancing. So, of course, stuff like this is going to ramp up. But Apple probably needs to keep up. And it's not necessarily these one-off bugs that I think is driving users like you and me crazy. It's stuff that we're seeing every day. My biggest problem with the iPhone X is the lock screen. I get a lot of random, like, I'm just like, whoa, what's it doing? You know, the time's, like, off to the left. Um, by a, a pretty big margin. Like you can't even see the hour hour increment of it. It's just the minute side, and you're just like, oh. So you hit the power button. Nope, that didn't work. All right, you just unlock it with your pin code and hope that it comes back. Uh, like normal. I see stuff like that a lot. Old notifications just like halfway on the screen. Like no, I cleared those already. Uh, so there there are things I see in iOS. I don't see much in macOS. Um, in terms of bugs, but it's 
at the very least, even if you're not seeing these bugs regularly, it's got to feel good as an Apple user that they're going, okay, we're doubling down on quality. I mean, that's just a good statement. Like, that should just make you feel good. Like, okay, cool. They're definitely going to take a look at, you know, they're going to start maybe paying attention to the details again. Um, it's just, it feels like a positive direction. So, but I am, there is a part of me hoping that in June when they, when WWDC rolls around, uh, we're going to see some, some cool stuff. And my fingers are still kind of, you know, slightly crossed for, for, uh, some type of home screen remake. Cause when I hear that, I think, okay, well maybe they're going to let us put our icons wherever we want instead of making them go in order. Cause I'd love to have them at the bottom of the screen with this huge phone. Maybe they're going to give us some uh, widget, you know, like I could go on forever about what I hope they're going to do. So I hope we still see some features in iOS 12, but I don't mind at all that they're taking a year to shore up what's already there. Uh, what I'm particularly excited about is um, I put in the show notes here that uh, iOS 12 may bring new DND options where here it's specifying for auto rejecting phone calls and muting notifications. But one D, uh, do not disturb feature that I've been looking for for years. And when my, my iPhone was jailbroken, there was actually, uh, a jailbreak tweak that you can, you, you could use for that is that if you use scheduled do not disturb, you can't, you can't set specific days. So if, for example, if you use do not disturb on schedule, it's every day the same schedule or it's, you don't schedule at all. And, uh, and you know, we, we have pretty much all the same lives. We go to work from Monday to Friday, and I know it differs from depending on what you do for work, but typically we all work during the week. And on the weekend, we don't work, so we sleep in a little bit. And with this uh, Do Not Disturb um, uh, schedule that, that we have right now on iOS 11, um, if you set it for, like me, from 10 p.m. to 7 a.m., it's every day the same schedule. But that means at 7.05 a.m. on a Saturday morning, maybe someone is texting me or calling me and my phone vibrates when I actually want to sleep in. I'd like to be able to say, just like you can for alarms, for example, we can say, okay, choose my 6 o'clock uh, alarm clock for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, but don't use it for Saturday, Sunday. Or maybe for Saturday, Sunday, you use, it, you use a different one. That's the, that's the kind of option I would like to see for uh, the scheduling of, of Do Not Disturb. A little more flexibility, a little more customization options, and uh, give the users a little more uh, choice as to when these kick in and what days they kick in. Right. I don't, I don't use the D&D feature very often. Um, I usually just either put my phone on airplane mode if I really don't want it to make noises or whatnot. But I can see how, I can see how given some more customization here, customizability, is that a word? I yep. made it a word. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I can see how that could uh, benefit people who use the D&D option a lot. Yep, yep, yep. We'll obviously be talking about iOS 12 for the next several weeks as more, maybe more reports come to light and uh, we'll get, you know, it doesn't, we're not that far off from June. It's kind of crazy. This, it seems like this year's going by quickly. I know. Right now though, I want to talk about HomePod. We talked about it last week. You actually gave a pretty good rundown of, of what it's like to open it and get into it, start it up, but you didn't have a lot of time with it. You've had a week now. Um, Give us give us some thoughts. Let us know uh, what you like more, what you like less, and maybe some new stuff you've discovered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's been a week. Yeah. Last time was a few hours. Now it's been a week. So full-on use with it. And I must say that I love this thing. I love, <laughs> I love the feeling of having music back in our house, which we didn't have because we didn't have a stereo. Like, like as you know, in France, we, you know, we came here with nothing. So we didn't have a stereo, and for we were just I was just waiting for the HomePod to be our main speaker in the house, and it's just it's just been bring life back in the house, literally. Like we play music all the time now, and we have two HomePods. Uh, there is one in the living room, uh, one in my uh, office here. So if my wife is in the living room doing something, I go in my office. I can tell Siri to play some music. I walk out, I tell it to stop, I walk in another room, I can tell tell Siri to play music in that room. There's something like very freeing about about the HomePod and the way you interact with it, 
by just talking to it. Now, I, I don't want to talk about the the, 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 the sound quality. It's it sounds great, you know, for its size, it sounds really good. Um, so good, actually, that I use it as um, the main speaker of my Apple TV. I don't know if I had mentioned this last week. I guess not. I had tried it, but I hadn't. I hadn't been using it, uh, and not, I, I have been using it for over for over a week. Um, so when I when I watch something on Apple TV, which is ninety percent of my TV watching, uh, I just use the HomePod as the sound output, and it's definitely miles better than the built-in speakers of the TV itself or the TV set. But um, yeah, it's it's just so cool to... I get up in the morning, I make my coffee, I ask Siri to tell me the news, and then I tell it to tune into NPR, and I listen to this, and then I want to see what they say on the other side. So I said to play some Fox News um, news uh, to see what uh, these people are up to or what they're thinking. And then my kids are getting up, so I tell her to play some music. And then my daughter tells Siri to play some music. My daughter asks Siri what the weather like, if she can wear a t-shirt or a dress, which she can never do because it's winter in France and it's freaking freezing. But it's it's just it's just like very freeing. Like you don't have to touch any buttons. You don't have you can just talk to it. And it has its limitation. Mainly, Siri itself is a, a pretty big limitation because sometimes it doesn't understand you. Um, now, granted, it's fairly rare that it doesn't understand you. Um, and the other limitation I found uh, regarding music is that you have to know what you want to listen to, um, or you tell Siri to play your own your own. Um, playlists or stations but you know sometimes what i like to do sometimes is open the music app and go into a browse section and i'll go into the alternative genre and i and i browse what's new in there so i see oh these guys have a new album or this 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 band has a new ep out and it's great for music uh, discovery uh, on the home pod you can't really do music you I mean you you can't at all do music discovery this way. Like the way you discover music is when Siri plays it, but you're not going to find out about something unless Siri plays it to you, which she probably will do if you ask, like for the A-list alternative playlist or what's new in alternative or something like this. But you're not sure 100 percent you're going to see you're going to hear it. So that I miss, and it's I mean it's. It's by design, right? They didn't put a screen on this thing, so that's, that's, that's by design. But still, I'm like, hmm, sometimes I wish I could just um, just browse from the HomePod or have a screen where I could just touch a couple things and see what's new. Now, now I can do this from my phone, and then when I find something on my phone, I can either airplay it to the HomePod or tell the HomePod to play it. But it, it has a little barrier in between. But other than that, it's just great. It's just great. If it's too loud, you tell it it's too loud. You you can tell it volume twenty percent or volume. I tell it volume twenty or volume sixty, and it adjusts the volume. Um, set timers like very. It's just it is it is. Uh, I want to say life changing in some ways. Uh, it's not something you know that's. <laughs> <laughs> that's gonna you know it's not gonna cure cancer uh it's not gonna end poverty it's not it's not gonna bring uh peace in the world but uh to me it it, it makes things uh it brings a little bit of positivity in the house every morning it's just just very upbeat and very easy and very convenient and very practical and it's not something you can have or that i would have uh, on my uh, home stereo, where I had to use my remote, turn on the receiver, and then and then take my iPhone, uh, hope that my uh, iPhone will AirPlay correctly to my receiver. This, this there was so much friction in this setup. Here, just started to play something, and it plays it, and and right. that's very 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 cool. Now, have you set up your second uh, HomePod yet? Yep, yep. So I have one behind me in the office, and I have one in in the living room. So I've I've got the black one here, and the the white one in the living room. Now something that happened the other day, uh, which I think is something that can probably be fixed with software very easily, is that I was kind of in between the two rooms. I was in the hallway, and I was telling one HomePod to 
play music. I believe that's what I was doing. Like I was telling to play some station or playlist, but the other one started it. But the other one was the other HomePod, uh, like the volume level was at like 10% or something. So I couldn't hear it. I couldn't hear. And I, I, and I thought I was like, damn it. I say it several times. It doesn't play. It doesn't, I, I don't hear anything. Actually, it was playing on the other HomePod, the, the one I didn't want to use at very low level. And, and then I figured it out. I was like, oh, it's playing here. So I tell it to stop. Went back in the other room closer to the HomePod, tell it to play the music on that one. Um, but I guess that's a first world problem, right? When you have too many HomePods and <laughs> and the software can figure out which one you want to play music on, <laughs> your 10,000 month subscription to music on. Um, and that's one of the very, very few problems because I can't think of any other problems I've had so far with it. Now, because uh, AirPlay 2 isn't in full swing yet, there's no way to connect the two HomePods, right? To play the same music out of both of them or to like use them as a stereo effect or is there like some kind of workaround for that? Yes, there is some workaround, uh, especially if you're on a, on a PC or a Mac, on a Mac, you can use an app called Airfoil, I believe it's called. And you can start playing something like in iTunes and send it to choose both home pods as, uh, as output. Um, I haven't tried it. Uh, I'm not really looking into this. I don't really care about that right now. Um, but I know it, it is a workaround that it's possible at this time. Well, I mean, where you, where I think it'd be interesting is, uh, with your Apple TV, yes. you know, setting them up kind of on opposite sides of the TV and kind of getting that surround sound type feel to it, um, with two speakers. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. When there is actual support for AirPlay 2 and stereo, actually, I think, uh, fake stereo, uh, that's some, definitely something I will try. Like uh, I can imagine, like watching like a movie like Star Wars, or you know, sound pretty good with that. Even though it's not real stereo, you don't have like a right left channel, so the sound, the same sound is coming from everywhere. But um, it still pr- uh, provides a little more depth to the sound than I would have from the the speakers of the TV itself. Oh yeah, it'd be a much bigger soundstage, I would think. Yeah. Given given what the speaker's capable of dynamically figuring out where you are and where it is in the room. Yeah. So I'm digging it. Uh, one of my friends already made fun of me <laughs> for having this thing. <laughs> no way. <laughs> <laughs> she made fun of me. Uh, but in six years, she will have three of them in her house, like everything else. You know, like People used to make fun of me for having an iPhone or being so much into the iPhone, and now everybody has one. And People made fun of me for Apple Watch, and now people are getting them. So we're always like a few steps ahead with these kind of things. Um, but yeah, I, I'm super stoked about them. Like no buyer remorse. I know I, and I bought two, right? So it's kind of an investment. My wife was like, whoa, that's a pretty chunk, big chunk of money for, you know, just two little speakers like that. But, uh, so far, and I don't think I'm going to change my mind. I'm not, I'm not regretting. I'm not regretting. I, I really enjoy. And again, like, I know you can get music from any speakers, right? I know I could have bought like a 100 DAO or 200 DAO, super good Sono speaker or any other speaker that sounds super good. But there is there is something about just being able to talk to it. And I, I, I guess someone could say, well, you could buy an Amazon Echo and plug it into a stereo or something. No, that's that's hacky. Like I, This is so nice. This is seamless. This is frictionless. This feels just right. This feels this, this this feels just right to me, and I love it. I think that you're right. Those you can't really compare plugging in a, a tap, an Amazon tap, or whatever that little tiny puck is to a stereo. That's not the same. But like a Sonos One, uh, you know, they're just released uh, the smart speaker. I think it does support Alexa, so that would yeah. function very similarly with Hey, play this song, and it'll do it. And uh, it also sounds great, right? Like it's yeah. also kind of up there, but I think a lot of people still chose the the HomePod over there. Yeah, it's it's interesting because again, we talked about this last week, and I, it's just I feel like it's a point worth reiterating that there couldn't be a more perfect customer than you. I don't think you know. Like I feel like if if Apple was drawing, what are these like circle? They look almost like the the Mastercard symbol, two circles. What is that called? A elliptic something graph. 
ellipsis graph. I don't know. But it's when you're drawing circles and you try to see which where the points kind of meet in the middle. And I feel like you meet at all the middle points. Oh, like, yeah. like, oh, you don't have a Bluetooth speaker at all? <laughs> oh, you love music? Oh, you're way invested into the Apple ecosystem? Oh, you have several devices? You know, like you just cross off. You check every box there. You're like, so... I mean, it's it's awesome that you it's it's awesome that you got them and that you love them and there's no remorse there. Uh, but I just feel like that's it's just like this little asterisk, like hey, Sebastian couldn't be a more perfect customer here because uh, somebody like myself who is also very heavily invested in that uh, in the Apple ecosystem and I I'm an Apple Music subscriber, so and I listen to quite a bit of music, so I'm kind of you know I I do check some of those boxes as well, but having I don't know. There's just something about that price tag. There's something about the fact that I already have, um, you know, really nice stereo speakers. Well, I have monitors and a sub for for my desk setup, and um, I, I just can't, you know, I can't wrap my head. Where would I use this thing? Where would it go? So there, there are different viewpoints on this, and I think Siri needs to get better for this to be considered a smart speaker. Yeah. But if you just want a really good sounding uh, Bluetooth speaker, or not Bluetooth speaker, don't say Bluetooth. Uh, if you want a really good sounding wireless speaker and you have the, the devices, this sounds like a pretty good option. Yeah. And um, just to mention again, we'll go back onto the music thing and the Apple Music specifically thing. Like you said, I'm I'm the perfect customer because if I was, say, if I was to use an Amazon Echo and plug it into a nice speaker or something like this, I would be reliant onto Amazon Music Service, whatever the name, Amazon Prime Music, I assume it's called, or something like this. And that doesn't that doesn't work for me, you know? Like, I don't want to use Amazon serv- Music Service. I, I've been using Apple's Music Service, and you know what? I like it, you know? It, it's, working, it's working fine for me. It's working pretty good. There, a uh, new music match for you or something, new music mix, mix is kind of crappy sometimes, um, but uh, ironically enough, on Friday uh, they gave me like one of the best ones I've ever had. But but it's again like to go back to like the convenience thing, having a song play and be like, hey, uh, hey HomePod, what is this? And it tells me what it is, the band and the name of the song. And I said, hey HomePod, I like this. And then HomePod tells me, cool, I'm taking a note of that. And then it improves my uh, improves the algorithm. It feeds the algorithm that uh, try to figure out what kind of music to play for me. And that is priceless as well. I've actually taught my kids, I've been like, you kids never ever tell Siri you like a song that plays on this HomePod because then it messes my stuff up, you know? Like the other day I said, hey, play some music. And it goes, sure, uh, let's start up with some Taylor Swift. I'm like, oh, my daughter, (laughs) you know? (laughs) So then I was like, you don't ever say... You too, my son, you ne- never say uh, to Siri that you like a song playing on this thing or anywhere. If you want to, you know, I'll tell you when I like a song and you can tell Siri you like it, but don't mess it all up for daddy. <laughs> she, your daughter pulls, uh, just has uh, the HomePod bring up every Disney soundtrack ever. She's like, oh yeah, I love that one. Next. <laughs> Here's the Frozen soundtrack. Yep, love it. Next. <laughs> Oh, that'd be and, and there's a feature on uh, on each HomePod where you can say use your listen history. So anything you play on the HomePod is now going to be linked to your Apple Music listening habits. So, for example, if you listen to a lot of Taylor Swift on the HomePod, well, um, Apple Music learns that you like Taylor Swift. Um, but I disabled this because obviously my kids are using, especially my daughter, she's bigger. Um, using the HomePod to listen to the stuff she wants. And it's usually always the same thing. Lords, uh, Lord, Taylor Swift, and uh, what's her name? Uh, I can't remember her name. Banksy, Banks or something like this. Um, so yeah, I've made sure to disable this. So whatever plays on the HomePod does not influence my, um, my Apple Music uh, algorithm However, if I tell HomePod that I like a song that's playing, that's where it's going to influence it. Or if I tell HomePod I does I don't like a song that's playing, that's when it's going to influence it. So yeah, I, I feel that I've got a pretty good setup going on right now. Um, but it's a pretty expensive setup, right? Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm I'm liking it. Music is back in the house. Everybody's happy again. 
my wife said she will not leave me anymore and my kids are happy. <laughs> HomePod saved our marriage. <laughs> I have to I have to ask you from a from and you may not have tried this a bunch, but from a from a, let's just ask the question from like a smart speaker, are are you happy with how Siri's been? Is it failing more often than not or vice versa? How's that been? Like Hey, what's the weather? Or no, hey. yeah, this is perfect. This is this works flawlessly. What, what's the weather? What time is it in San Diego? Um, you know, what's the weather like in Canberra, Australia? This works flawlessly. Bishop Briggs is the name of the artist my daughter loves. By the way, I just <laughs> look at it, uh, and I like her too. Um, <laughs> but I haven't really tried anything else. Because I don't really need it. Um, I don't have any HomeKit products in this house in France. So that's something, you know, I'm not going to use here. Um, I've set timers, but these are very basic. I think I told you last week I had a, a conversion problem. I was trying to convert uh, British pounds to euros or British pounds to dollars. And it, it just thought I was talking about pound the weight unit, you know, how many pounds do you weight? But I was talking about how many pounds in uh, the currency. Uh, that's something I had a problem with. But quite frankly, I, I don't really use the smarts um, that often. It's very basic stuff. Play this, stop that. I like this. I don't like that. Skip this song, set a timer, remind me uh, to go do this at that time. Uh, something I'm really upset about is that it can't tell you what's on your calendar. It cannot add anything to your calendar and um, you can't make a phone call through it. So you can receive a phone call on your phone and then transfer the phone call from your phone to your HomePod. So it, it can, it can make, you know, like just like you can transfer the phone call from your iPhone to your AirPods, for example, you know, like if you're on the phone call, you put your AirPods in, they're going to connect automatically and then um, the call is going to come into your ears for the AirPods. Uh, so it, it can do the same with HomePod. You have to send it to the HomePod, but you can't make a phone call. You can't say, hey, HomePod, call my wife. And she's going to say, nope, I can't do that. I'm sorry. And I feel like this is, a, I mean, it is obviously a software limitation. And I feel like this is something that's going to um, be fixed in the future. But right now, it's one of my little annoyances. And as I'm mentioning AirPods, I'm just like something that I thought was pretty freaking awesome happened like earlier today. Again, that's a first world reporting here. It's like totally, I mean, it, it, it sounds, it's going to sound stupid when I say it, but I thought it was awesome. I was <laughs> listening to a podcast. So I was airplaying a podcast from my iPhone to the living room HomePod. So I was in the house doing something. And then I went, I wanted to go to do my walk, my morning walk. What I, so the, the podcast was still playing from Overcast. I was airplaying it, right? It was still playing right. on the HomePod. And then I was like, okay, it's time to go. I don't touch anything. I put my phone in my pocket. The thing is still playing on the HomePod. I take my AirPods. I put my AirPods in. My AirPods connect to the phone. Boom. Like the podcast now plays in my ears without touching anything. It was just like... This is so cool. I don't even have it. I don't even have to tell it to stop. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to touch anything. All I have to touch is the AirPods to put them in my ears, which I have to do. There's no way around that. And, and that was it. I was like, this is so cool. Like, you know, I, you don't have to turn off the HomePod. You don't have to do anything. It's just, that was, that felt like a little bit, like a little bit of magic. And it's something that you couldn't do if it was like a typical, uh, JBL, Bluetooth, uh, speaker. That's not some, that's not an experience you could have with it. And again, like this was one of these moments. I was like, wow, that's again. Like I feel like this is money well spent on this. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to think of what would what enables that because I do know something I've noticed about my AirPods is when I uh, when I get into so as I'm leaving the gym, I have my AirPods in still. I'm listening to music, walking back to my truck, back to my truck. I get to my truck. And I start it, and my music switches from my AirPods uh, to the car stereo. Yeah, I hate that. Oh, I like that. It's like it's again. It's it's almost this kind of seamless experience you're talking about. It's literally my music goes from my ears. I'm taking out my AirPods even before I take my AirPods out, though. It's already on the car stereo. I don't think it switches back though. I don't think it just automatically yeah. switches back to. 
Yeah, that's that's one of the things where that I I don't like, especially because in my car, and that's probably the only reason why. In my car, um, that I have. So if I'm listening to something on my AirPods through Bluetooth, right from the phone, I go right. in the car, I start the car. The phone is going to connect to the car within a few seconds, and then the podcast will be playing on my stereo, but my stereo hasn't turned the Bluetooth um, input yet. It, it doesn't turn it on by itself. Uh, so it defaults, it always defaults back to radio station. Basically, every time I turn on the car, it is radio station. If it was, if I was listening to a CD last, it would default back to a CD, but it never defaults to the last. If, it, if Bluetooth was the last connection, it doesn't default back to that. So I always end up like sometimes I walk into the car, I start it, and then the podcast is playing on the stereo. Well, the podcast is connected to the stereo. It's playing, but what I'm listening to is radio, and I have to manually change the input to Bluetooth, and then I've missed like five or ten seconds of what I was listening on the podcast. Again, first world problem, right? But that's right. Uh, I know on my call, that's a minor annoyance yeah i mean aside from the cool thing i mentioned of it switches automatically from airpods to car i have a a lot of beef with the the way that uh, the bluetooth works because yeah it switches it'll switch audio things on me like i want to be listening to a podcast and it'll just the music will override it it'll be like oh yeah you definitely want to listen to the music right now so i have a lot of beefs with that but anyways um Oh, I had something to say about Siri. We were talking about Siri yep. in the HomePod. I so I was uh, forgot what I was doing, but uh, over at some friend's house, and we're uh, watching uh, probably the Olympics or something. I don't know, but there's a couple of us there, and uh, somebody wanted to know what the score of an NBA game was, and I was like, "Oh yeah," and I just asked Siri quick, and it's not to show off or anything. I was literally like, ever since Apple introduced. Siri being able to do sports scores, it's way faster than unlocking my phone, going to Safari, going to Google, going to this, ESPN.com, going to the score section. Like it saves me quite a bit of time, so I just do it. And uh, so when they heard me say, hey, Siri, they're all of a sudden going, hey, I wonder if it'll recognize our voice. I said, no, Apple's done this update where it doesn't. And so they tried a couple of times. It didn't work. They're like, oh, wow, that's really cool. But then it kind of turned into this game. And, of course, you know, people are trying to emulate your voice. They're like, hey, Siri. And it's uh, – it didn't – wow, it didn't set off my phone that time. But eventually, one of my buddies got on the tone and was able to get Siri to activate and could do it nine out of ten times after that. Hmm. So I thought that was pretty strange. Um, so maybe Siri – you know what? Because Siri – the way this works is intelligent as well. So maybe it picked right. it up once or it thought it was you and it picked it up and it was like, eh, it doesn't really sound like Cody, but it probably is him. Let's learn this, this new sound pattern, tone, yeah. this new tone. And then he did it again and it learned more and more and more and more to a point where it was just working flawlessly. That's what yeah. I would feel is happening maybe. That's not a bad guess. That's, it sounds like the equivalent of typing in your passcode with face ID. Right. Like you're you're going like if it doesn't recognize you that well with face ID and you type in your passcode, you're going, hey, no, that's me. So so the face ID goes, "Okay, well, let's learn whatever this image we just saw was. So he doesn't have to type his passcode in next time. Yeah. Sounds kind of like a similar mechanism almost. Yeah. 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 Uh, um, Any other things you wanted to express about the HomePod? No, I think I've expressed my love for it. (laughs) Hey, is there. I, I regretted mentioning it last week. Is there a display on top? What's this display thing? No. People call it a display. They literally do call it a display. Uh, uh, I mean, it displays something. So, yes, <laughs> I guess it is a display. Um, but you okay, you have two buttons. You have the plus and the minus buttons. That are the actually... Volume. Yeah, volume uh, buttons. They, they, they are... Uh, I was going to say hard-coded. Uh, there are actual buttons. Like, you know, if you turn off the screen, there's still a plus and minus that shows. Like, it, they Physi- don't... Physical buttons. Yeah, yeah. You don't push on them, you know, like they're not like... You don't like feel anything when you t- touch it, but it's uh, a touch-activated button. You know, th- there's no pixel uh, displaying these buttons. They're just hardware. And then 
there's this little colorful stuff on the top uh, that uh, shows up when uh, when you talk to Siri or when Siri is talking to you, um, and you can tap on it uh, to um, to invoke Siri or to pause music or to stop a timer or something like this. And you can tap and hold to call Siri. I think there's a couple of gestures you can use to skip songs, previous songs, and stuff like that. Um, but it, it is not an actual. It doesn't display anything but the colored blurb that you've seen uh, probably on the pictures um and to my knowledge and maybe so that's something that can be revealed uh maybe it has been revealed by actually i fix it uh i'm not sure i haven't actually i should look into this i don't think apple can push any kind of pixel they want so if they wanted to write you know happy birthday sebastian or maybe like a calendar or maybe just a date on it i don't i am not even sure they could do that i'm not sure it's one of these displays uh where i think it's just used to display the color pattern and that's about it okay so so it's not it's, it's a not a touch bite. screen <laughs> yeah well, that's what it is it, it's it's not a touch screen you can't you don't it doesn't display anything but the color blurbs that's it I got gotcha. you. Yeah. And uh, maybe a quick mention is that uh, my HomePods have not left any white ring on wood <laughs> surfaces, and they are sitting on wood surfaces at all times. Are they, are they finished surfaces, like oiled finishes? Yes, they are, actually. Um, okay. But, um, yeah, it it's, it's, doesn't do anything. That's gonna. That's funny that you're gonna be checking this from <laughs> from here on out. Just every once in a while, just up. Oh, no rings yet. Yeah. Do you feel left out that yours don't leave rings? Kind of. I I'm thinking about about returning them. Be like, hey, everybody has white rings and I don't. What the hell? <laughs> hey, how come mine aren't aren't leaving the white rings? That's ridiculous. I paid good money for these speakers. Yeah. You don't know what my um, wife went through for them. <laughs> does this mean I have uh, fake ones? Does this mean they're fake? <laughs> Um, do you want to, you want to talk about your one week vegetarian trip? <laughs> That's my new experiment. So two weeks ago I did the five day water fast and this week I'm a vegetarian. So I have, I'm not eating any meat. Uh, I'm just a very simple vegetarian. That means I can eat anything else but meat. So I can eat bread. I can eat corn. I can eat uh, cheese. Uh, drink milk, drink alcohol, eggs, eggs. And you know, I'm not a vegan. I'm, you know, I don't. I'm probably never gonna even gonna try that. That's just insane. <laughs> I'd rather, I'd, I'd rather not eat at all for a week than be like super picky and eating cabbage all day. But um, uh, yeah. So I have uh, tried that. It's been 48 hours. I've been a vegetarian for about 48 hours, Cody, and. Uh, and boy, last night was my first big meal, just eating veggies. And uh, I, that's all I ate, actually, just veggies last night. And I don't know if it's related to this, but after dinner, I had so much energy. So much so that at one in the morning, I still wasn't asleep. Like I was just wide awake, as if I had drank like three cups of coffee. I don't know if, again, I'm not sure if it's related to this, but I, I think it's a heck of a coincidence uh, that it happened at the same time. And literally right after eating, I was like, whoa, I feel like I feel like taking the vacuum and cleaning and, you know, taking the car <laughs> and go like clean the car. And but uh, man, it's 10 p.m. And ah, no, the car wash is closed. <laughs> I'll do that later. <laughs> <laughs> Just going for a 10 mile run. Be back. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Uh, I don't know. We'll see if it happens again today. Um, but uh, yeah. Just a just a small experiment that that I that I want to do. But as my wife says, like if you're still eating bread and you know like these chocolate biscuits that I just stuff myself with most of the time, um, <laughs> it's it's not gonna do you much good. Um, but it's more at this point for the little challenge, you know. Like yeah. can I can I go? Because I'm a big meat eater, you know. We eat like meat pretty much every day, every day. Um, and if we don't eat meat for dinner, we'll have like some sausage, you know, some dry salami, you know, in France, like we're not, With some cheese, yeah. we have tons of good meat in France, you know, like cured meats and everything. So I, I'm always eating meat every day for sure. Or some pate or anything, something like that. So it's, uh, it's, it's a small challenge and uh, this one should be 
definitely easier than the the five day fast, which wasn't hard in itself, but uh, was kind of a bit of torture sometimes because I couldn't eat anything. Uh, here, at least, I can you know eat uh, a yogurt or anything I want except meat, basically. So I'll uh, report back next week. Hopefully, um, I'm hoping to get a, feel a little, I don't know, feel a little better. If I feel like I felt last night every day, that's great. Uh, and um, I'm hoping that I lose a little weight. If I do, that's great. If not, eh, whatever. It's uh, it's not going to be a big, uh, big challenge anyway. You know, it's just a little fun little challenge to myself. Yeah, I look I look forward to seeing what some of the side effects were because I was surprised there wasn't a ton of side effects from at least positive ones from your uh, five day fast. Yeah, me too. So I'm interested to see if this will have the energy thing sounds promising, but like you said, it's only been one meal for one night and yeah, not conclusive yet. Not conclusive right. yet. I've you know, and I think there's some science behind that, right? When you eat, you know, if you eat a lot of meat. Red meat especially. I think there's stuff in there. It's not the turkey thing. It's not tryptophan. But there's something in meat. You hear, you feel more full maybe. I, I, it's not that it brings you down. But you've heard of like the – people call it like the meat sweats. Like, oh, I ate too much meat and I just feel yeah. heavy and I've loaded. I've had that before. So, yeah. So I think <laughs> – you're like, yeah, I've had the meat sweats Yeah, before. yeah. I mean when you go to a good steakhouse, you know, like sometimes oh, when, yeah, we're, when we're exactly in the States, yeah. we would treat ourselves to a really good steakhouse from time to time and – bring our own bottle of wine, like a very expensive bottle of wine my grandpa gave me or something and eat like a huge steak. And then right. at night you're like, holy crap, like I'm yeah. sweating. And, you know, you, you can tell it because meat, I mean, especially beef, beef in general is super hard for your body to digest, to process, you know, right. like it's, I mean, it's tough. It's tough for you to eat it. You have to chew it really hard. So imagine your intestines. Whereas if you're eating Try veggies, break it down, yeah, yeah, your veggies, you know, it's just, just you chew it it just goes into mush into you and it's processed like super easily super fast so it, it totally makes sense yeah so yeah report back to us next week and we'll hear uh see if this energy thing continues sure yes sir <laughs> okay um any parting parting shots parting shout outs uh nah no, I can think of anybody to give a shout out to. Maybe my mom, God. This one goes out to Leroy. I love you, bro. Uh, all right, then. Well, then we will uh, wrap this up and uh, meet back same time, same place next week. All right. See you, my friend. Bye-bye.